0: Welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. We're glad that you're with us for another episode together to study God's Word. I've got with me Josh Cantrell. And uh, Cantrell, it's good to have you on the program again today. Good to be here. We are talking about support in the community for the next three weeks, how we can be able to have that support that we desperately need that makes being a Christian worth, you know, while. And I want to point out a song as we begin today that I've got. By Gerald Crab. Now, I don't know Gerald Crabb specifically. Um I have never uh listened to this song either, but he's got a song out there called You Don't Have to Bear Your Burdens Alone. And he says, You've done well at hiding the pain in your life. You've hidden the sorrow that haunts you each night. But if there is something that you need to share, I want you to know someone cares. You don't have to bear your burdens alone. You've got a friend. You're not on your own. Just take my hand and we'll help will find help at the throne. You don't have to bear your burdens alone. At times, life seems unfair and so hard to stand. You reach out for someone just to hold your hand. Just remember the, the words of our Savior are true. His promise, I will never leave you. Now, in an article uh, <laughs> called Seven Ways to Support Your Community, the following was written. A simple way to help in your community is to clean up in front of your home. If you see any trash around, take pride and throw it away or recycle. An even better solution is to start a community-driven cleanup project, which will be a great way to meet your fellow area residents. Acquiring community support to beautify the neighborhood serves the common interest of everyone. Now consider that for a moment, Cantrell. It is many times that we begrudgingly take the trash out of our own home. You know, I don't know about you, you're in an apartment now, but... You remember when Trash Day comes around, and you're like, "Oh man, it's Trash Day! Yep. I gotta go put everything at the can, or whatever it might be for you." How many times do you remember picking up your neighbor's trash? Never. Exactly right. <laughs> Unless it's in your yard, right? Your mindset mind is that's their responsibility. Well, when we talk about support in the community, I loved what that you know article of seven ways to help support your community points out that it's. My neighborhood is my community. It's where I live. And if I don't have, you know, a neighborly attitude, then I won't be really willing to help them. I've had neighbors that live across the street from me for the last five years before we moved out just a couple of weeks ago. And when we first moved in, we didn't know them very well. And now they're some of our best friends. You know, we enjoy spending some time with them. We enjoy and He's been such a big help at times, at helping me out with stuff. And every now and then I've helped him out with stuff as he's needed it. But you think about that support that you have when you can call a neighbor and say, could you do such and such and know that it's going to get done. Now, when we think about this mindset of problems, I want us to go to Galatians 6. We've been talking about Galatians 6 a lot on the Scatter the Broad Joint podcast throughout the season uh, that we have this upcoming year. But in Galatians chapter 6, we find in verse 1, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual... Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself in case you're also tempted. That word overtaken there, what does it mean to be overtaken by a problem or sin?
1: Being overtaken by a problem or sin is when you, I heard Dan Winkley use this term before, when you allow something to engulf you, uh, when you allow something to consume you from your, from your head to your toes. And, and very often as Christians, sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes, we allow the things we go through to define who we are. But luckily and thankfully, God has given us some family members to help us overcome those things. Now, I'm sure for for many of you listening, had you gone through what you had gone through by yourself, you may not be here today to tell about it. But thankfully, God has given us a family whereby the things we go through, the things we endure is not intended for us to go through it alone. Now, very often in life, a lot of people, they like to go through stuff alone. I understand, you know, sometimes, you know, the, the phrases we use, tough times don't last, tough people do. Um, you have to stand up as many times as you get knocked down. And those things are true. And Sundays we preach, we hear, we encourage, we're edified. But when Monday crisis hits and you're by yourself, you need someone to be there with you. And I understand, you know, passages, 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, when David was fighting the battle of Ziklag, he encouraged himself in the Lord. Uh, Genesis chapter 39 and 40, when Joseph was in the prison, he was there by himself. But even though a person may be physically by themselves, they still have their God with them. And I think in Galatians chapter 6 here, verse number 1, verse number 2, of course, in the context there, uh, Paul is talking to Christians, and he's encouraging Christians to be there for fellow Christians, to be there for their fellow man. Yeah,
0: and you you think about being overtaken. The Greek word there is prolambano. Now, I may not have said that right, but I really don't <laughs> care because I don't speak Greek. Um, it means to be taken by surprise or unaware. You know, and I've I've mentioned this before on episodes, but you know, if you've ever had a deer jump out in front of your car. And you have to slam on the brake or or swerve out of the way to miss it. You know what I'm talking about, being taken by surprise. And the adrenaline that comes with that, of of being in such shock that you kind of lose time. Uh, When I hit a deer once, for the last 10 minutes of my drive, I looked straight ahead and couldn't remember that I'd gotten home. All I knew was that I had hit a deer, and then I I basically came to in my driveway. And so you're overtaken, engulfed. But you're so surprised and and just so caught off guard by it that it just blindsides you. That's what happens so often, Cantrell, when we find people that we know that were faithful for so many years, and now they're not.
1: I think had we known, like just say, just just me just talking out loud, say had we known... Something was going to say we knew what we were about to go through. The next trial, whatever that is for me, whatever that is for you. Say we we would know what it was we were gonna go through next. We will prepare, we would do everything possible to make ourselves prepared for what's about to happen next. But that's not the way God made it out to be. God wants us to trust Him through whatever we go through, any and everything. And sometimes he also provides the right people in our lives to help us get through those things. Now, there's an expression I like to use that's blocking people's blessings. If God has put a person in your life to help you go through something, don't block don't block their blessing by saying you want to go through it by yourself. He didn't intend for you to go through it by yourself.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's that's just it. (laughs) What's happening in Galatians six is. Something that I've seen all the time in the brotherhood and in the world, I didn't think that person would do this. How how many times have you watched a documentary about someone and you think, man, I didn't think he'd be a killer? Oh, man, many of times. You know, I didn't think she would have done that. I didn't think this person was capable of doing such a horrible crime. And how many times have we heard, you know, through the grapevine... An elder in the Lord's church ran off with a member, or a deacon in the Lord's church ran off with the the preacher's wife, or or whatever it might be. Yep. And you, you sit there and go, How did that happen? How did it they were overtaken? That's right. And we move to that idea of our second question, which is how do we restore someone when they're caught in a problem? And before I let it go to you, let me just point out what that word restore means in the original language. It means um <laughs> to mend something back together. Now, the word there uh, is the same word that we find if you break your arm and the doctor goes to put it back in place. You want the doctor to fix it gently. You don't want him to say, all right, Ken, Mr. Cantrell, you're here today with a broken arm. Let me just take this thing and whip it all around and let me just break it back into place. You're not going to go back and see that doctor ever no, again. No, sir. No, ma'am. And you want him to go, now, Mr. Cantrell, what we're going to do is we're going to put this in a cast. We're going to be very gentle. We do have to set the bone back the way it needs to be, but we're going to do everything we can to make this as painless as possible for yeah. you. It's going to hurt, but we need you to understand we're not we're not intentionally going to hurt you. It's got to be done carefully. The medical term for setting bones and healing wounds is also found in Matthew 4.21 when we find these disciples that are mending their nets, as Jesus is calling them. And that word mending is called artizo. Again, maybe it's not the right way to say it. I don't care. I'm doing the best I can. I was not a Greek scholar. I am not a Greek scholar. But that word means to repair, adjust, frame, mend, prepare, and restore. And we're told to mend this person back to Christ. The same word found in Hebrews 10 and verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he says, Sacrifice an offering thou wouldst not, but a body thou hast prepared me. A body you've prepared for me and so we have this stress on a cure not a punishment so how can we restore someone when they're caught in a problem from a practical sense
1: a phrase we use very often is meeting people where they are and of course we normally use that in terms of evangelism meeting people where they are going where they are where they are but there's also true in the case of a brother or sister in Christ now first of all I, there are a couple ways to look at it some Paul here talks about a person being overtaken by sin. And so I believe in James chapter 5 there, James lets us, you know, sometimes the best way to get someone back is remind them of what they had. Yeah. That being the gospel, that being Christ. And so often as members of the church sometimes, so often we treat people who are in sin, we treat them as if they aren't in sin. And what I mean by that is we fellowship with them, we break bread with them, we go to the movies with them, we hang out with them, we do all types of things with them, and they're not understanding where they are. And so this person here is overtaken by sin. First of all, I have to remind them of what they lost or where they should be. You should be with Christ. You should be in worship. You should be with your brother surrounding you, wrapping your arms around you. And as a person who's trying to be there for them, I also have to remind myself I could have easily been that person. And so I have to treat that person with the same grace and with the same mercy God gives me every day.
0: Yeah, and I mean anytime we see someone we always talk about seeing their soul as this, you know, main focus. I've I've watched a lot of, you know, documentaries and things of that nature. Sometimes you you talk about like the Unabomber, a bomb that is going to go off, and people discover it, and they're they're going to try to stop it, you know. And they don't, I never hear them say, "All right, everybody, get out your guns, ready, aim, fire." That's right, because they know that that might set the bomb off. And there's just great care and attention that's given to disarming that sin when not, you know. When, when left unchecked, is a bomb. And if I'm not careful, I will blow it up. And it will become a massive problem for me and for everyone else around me that will be hurt by the explosion. And how many churches do we know? How many individuals do we know that have not handled sin properly and it has blown up in their face because they basically took a baseball bat to it? And that's what we have to be careful about. When we're finding that idea of mending a net back together there's careful consideration given
1: that's right i think about judas iscariot now uh, john chapter 13 here he is a perfect example of a person what well, a perfect example in showing us how far the love of christ can go because in john 13 here you have jesus with all his disciples and jesus tells them one of you is about to betray me and they ask who is it and jesus says the man who dips his finger in the sop And the bible says there jesus treated judas so well None of the other disciples could, could could even tell that it was going to be Judas that was going to betray him. And then pretty much, John 13, verse 3, Satan entered into Judas there. And then Christ has basically told him, if you're going to do it, just go ahead and do it. Don't yeah. be waiting around.
0: Yeah, and man, that's that's what it's all about. We have got to get back to the idea of restoration mm. with our people that are in sin. We've got to get back to the... this. Cantrell, we seem to be more content in keeping the peace, but there is no peace when sure. we don't try to go after them and try to bring them back. There is no you know, actual peace found in telling someone that living in sin is okay. And that's what's being stressed in Galatians 6 and verse 1. You have got to stop. But there's something that we ourselves have to do before approaching someone with a problem. What is it that we're told to do in Galatians 6 and verse 1 for ourselves before we go
1: and approach these people? You have to consider yourself, and the Word of God causes you to examine self. In 2 Corinthians 11 and verse number 8 there, when Paul in that context talking about the Lord's Supper, Paul says, but let a man examine himself, that's the Greek word documento, and that word means to test. And then in 2 Corinthians 13, Paul says, examine yourselves, another Greek word there. And Paul talks about you have to endeavor, you have to scrutinize. Uh, James 1, verse 25, whoso will look at, whoso will stoop down and take a real investigative look into the word of God. So we have to consider ourselves. We have to make sure we have self right first. Uh, Matthew chapter 7 there in that context, Christ talks about how are you going to help a person who has this is my translation of it, who has a two by four in their eye, and here you are with a beam in your eye. Christ mm-hmm. said you have to get that out of your eye first so you can help the other person see clearly. And I, I think too, it's it's also important.
0: We're not talking about a stranger that has gone astray. That's right. And you know how difficult it would be for us if one of us went astray and say that it was on some doctrine, you know, say that I, I taught error. And you came over and I said, Cantrell, look, man, here, here's the truth on the matter. And I started trying to persuade you. If you haven't first considered yourself and prepared for that potentiality, then you are also very likely That's right, to, to, to stumble take. and to be overcome in a fault. And overtaken in a fault, as the verse itself says. And so this mindset of intentional, intentional consideration of myself... I think is also a very big stress in saying, make sure you don't get caught believing and in falling into this same trap. If you're going to go and restore someone, don't, don't think that in order to help them, I gotta, I gotta kind of give a little bit here and talk to them. Mm-mm. Let it go. That's right. Talk with them more as best as you can, but it's, it's just tough. It's tough no matter what. There are always going to be problems. There are always going to be people overtaken in a fault. And I need to make sure that I don't find myself overtaken
1: in a fault as well.
0: Do you have any other final things that you want to add to this?
1: I think it's just a beautiful conversation, especially, you know, we, we, we spend a lot of time, and in, in, as we should, talking about evangelism, going to get lost souls. But we also have, within every congregation, at least 200 or 300 people who are already members of the body of Christ. And we can go evangelize to them too, James chapter five. So again, evangelism. Yes, we go get lost souls, John, uh, Luke nineteen verse ten. Uh, that's what Christ did. Uh, but we also have many members who are who are wayward, who need to be restored as well. Yeah.
0: Well, Cantrell, thanks for being on again this week. Uh, next week we'll talk about bearing burdens, continuing on with our study of Galatians chapter six. But until then, let's all remember to please God now, so our eternity is far better.